0: Welcome to Best Me Radio, I'm your host Carl Hammington and I talk to experts in many areas including movement, psychology, nutrition, as well as other inspiring people who have done extraordinary things, all in an attempt to provide you with the information, inspiration and tools that will empower you to step into the best version of yourself. Hello Best Me followers and happy 2019. I hope you're having or have had a really nourishing time with your loved ones I certainly have here in good old Wellington summer, um, and I've spent some good time reflecting on 2018 as well, in which I'll be sharing the process and what I found in my blog that you can subscribe to through the website, www.bestme.co.nz. I'll also be sharing photos and experiences from Mexico, in which we are leaving to this week, which is pretty exciting. Now, we have a pretty amazing start to Best Me Radio 2019. And this is with a person I've always wanted to hang out with and chat to. So I'm very grateful for this opportunity. He's a person that's been one of the most influential in the wellness world globally. And uh, this is one of a two-part series. Um, And in this one, we really get to know who he is, um, his extensive background. He shares many experiences, including um, many very painful ones, in fact, that have shaped him, um, and as well as some of his processes and musings. Then we begin to dive into some more juicy stuff around uh, what it means to be human and basically why we almost have limitless wisdom and intelligence available to us if we do certain things right. Um, and this will challenge many of you. It certainly did uh, myself. Um, and this is a perfect segue into part two, which is around spiritual wellness and development and basically everything that surrounds a subject. So please enjoy. Put your thinking caps on. <laughs> I'd recommend taking notes, as there's a lot of gold here, and please check out the show notes for the references and the links. Enjoy.
1: Hello, I'm Paul Czech, and I am a holistic health practitioner. I began my career as the trainer of the United States Army boxing team. I used to be a fighter on the team. I also represented the Army in triathlon. I won the Army triathlon and became the Army's representative at the uh, United States Triathlon Series (USTS). Uh, national championships in 86, which I also qualified for on my own, not just as the army representative. So I have a long background in athletics ever since I was a child. Uh, All the way back in the very beginning, I was wrestling like in the first grade, played every sport you could play in school. I was a competitive motocross racer. I started boxing, was in a boxing club for a number of years. I was a I studied Taekwondo for several years. I was a kickboxer. I was sponsored by Honda as a motocross racer, so and I was ranked. And I was quite successful as a young man doing that. I used to race stock cars. I used to race in the 82nd Airborne Division, so I'm kind of a wild, crazy dude. <laughs> and um, when I got out of the army I went to sports massage therapy school I had been practicing massage therapy in the army I was the first person ever to offer massage therapy on the United States army boxing team or to the army athletes and I did that by just studying books and using my intuition and uh, the team doctor was an osteopathic physician so I got to learn from an osteopathic physician how to t- take care of sports injuries for two years while I served as the trainer my job was to design all their conditioning programs their nutrition and I learned a lot about nutrition from my mother who is a yogi since I was 12 and my parents raised us on a sheep farm on Vancouver Island British Columbia and both of my parents are quite holistic my stepfather used to be a special effects man at Universal Studios. and he's a very, very highly skilled, very intelligent man. So living on a, a working farm, we raised our own food and our own animals. We are pretty much self-contained. It was a working farm. We sold produce. Uh, we sold firewood. We sold animals. We ate and butchered our own animals, hunted on our own property. We had all sorts of wildlife there. So that's where I learned a lot about nutrition from my mother. And then I studied nutrition as an athlete so I could have the edge. So by the time I got out of the army and had had done the training with Dr. Pitluck and learning how to care for uh, sports injuries, as well as practicing massage therapy and implementing my nutrition strategies, my massage therapy, my conditioning philosophy, um, I had a good base of knowledge and then I got my license as a sports massage therapist and then I finished my training to become a holistic health practitioner, which in California is a license that allows you to use any natural means to help people with any kind of problem. So it's a good license because it's fairly uh, loose. So I can use herbs. I can do mm-hmm. you know things like hypnotherapy. Uh, those types of things I've traveled the world learning from the best experts I could find in almost any field that related to the kinds of challenges my patients were having. so for about the first sixteen or seventeen years of my career, I averaged between thirty five around between sixteen and thirty five thousand dollars a year just on my education. but I learned it from the experts less. Of an academic training, more of going to the people that were well recognized and respected for their skills, which included people like uh, Frank Wildman. I did a hundred hours of training in Feldenkrais work from Frank Wildman, who was actually trained by Feldenkrais himself. I studied the Alexander technique. I uh, studied with Sand, uh, Sandy Burkhart, one of the top shoulder experts in the world. I studied with Vladimir Yanda and um, Carol Levitt in the Czech Republic. I did an advanced training program actually in the Czech Republic. I learned infant development there and advanced rehab concepts. So uh, I spent a lot of time. I've got a very comprehensive library. I've read literally thousands of books. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to help many, many of the world's greatest athletes and sports teams And people with all sorts of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual challenges from all over the world. And I'm also licensed through the Native American Council as a medicine man and spirit guide. And so also incorporate um, Native techniques, medicine, uh, plant medicines. And I'm also an art therapist and have studied art therapy for many years. And I'm also a painter. I paint and and do my own artwork, which my whole office here is covered in. And I use art be in my work and i founded the czech institute in 1995 and we have about oh good 10,000 people that are uh, at some level of our training programs and we have 13 instructors that travel the world and i've published many many articles and uh, i have three patents i'm an inventor i have patents on exercise devices i have patents on special instruments for Postural assessment to get accurate yeah. assessment of people's joint alignment mm-hmm. and posture, and so that's a quick rundown.
0: <laughs> that's the cliff notes version. Yeah. Hey, um, thanks for that, Paul, and thanks again for coming on. I'm uh, pretty excited about this, and you know what a what a toolkit you've got up your sleeve there. Also, um, yeah, incredible experience. What I'm really interested to to dive into uh, initially is I just want to explore were there any painful experiences or uh, you know traumatic sort of events that helped shape you and uh and what have you learned through those experiences
1: well that's a big question for me because there's been a lot of them um Mm -hmm. first of all my my mother and father split up when i was about five so anytime parents have a divorce it's very traumatic to the children Mm. um unfortunately the man my mother married next was very very physically abusive verbally abusive, very dangerous man. Um, He taught me a lot. He was an intelligent man, but he was, he's German and he's an ex-professional rodeo rider who's as strong as an ox and as fast as a damn cat. And it's, you either do the job immediately and do it well, or you might meet the devil. (laughs) So there was a lot of trauma in the family. Um, So there's been many traumatic experiences that I lived through some of them that are too painful to even share because I don't want to bring people into that place. Mm. My father, my actual father drowned when I was eight. And that was extremely traumatic, Uh, especially because my mother and stepfather really kind of didn't tell us much about what happened. So I spent probably the next four or five years of my life looking for him everywhere. I I thought they were just trying to play a trick on us because My mother didn't want me to think about my father now that she had a new relationship, and my brothers and sisters all had the same stress. Um, I've had many bad injuries racing motocross. I've had six concussions. I was out for two days one time. Um, I've had internal bleeding. I used to do street racing and enduro racing, and I've had some very bad accidents that I had to recover and rehabilitate myself from, and those me a tremendous amount about myself. Hmm. I've, I've had several broken bones from racing motorcycles and doing bicycle stunts and um, all sorts of stuff uh, hmm. so that took some patience to work through. I broke my left leg in five places cliff diving when I was young and that wiped me out for a while. Wow. Um, I had uh, a, quite an injury parachuting we were doing a mass attack which is where you're training for wartime and they stack up aircraft one after the other and uh, within minutes they're within seconds really there's as many as seven or eight or nine hundred paratroopers in the sky all at once and it's very dangerous because they can uh, bang into each other get tangled up in each other and people can if they're coming down faster than you can collapse your shoot. And unfortunately, I had a recon ranger uh, next to me on this mission. And the recon rangers are are kind of uh, a lot of brawn and not a lot of brains. And this guy pushed me out the door before I could hand my static line to the jump master. So what happened is when I jumped out, I had to grab my chute, but I didn't realize that the static line went under my armpit into the aircraft. And that was a C141. They have a stall speed of 228 miles an hour, which means when your chute opens, it opens like thunder. And if your balls are not in the right place, you will know it for about a month. And when the chute opened, it almost ripped my arm right off my body. Um, My arm went completely numb for quite some time. And the force of it was so much that when I took my uniform off, there was blood all over my body, but there was no physical wound. the pressure was so much, it pushed blood right through the skin, and that caused what's called mm. a cigarette malfunction, because it spun my body. It made my parachute wrap up like a cigarette, so I was falling very fast, and we were jumping at 850 feet, so you got about one second to correct a malfunction, or you're going to die, mm. and so fortunately, I was able to get the chute to open, but it opened quite late, and I hit the ground extremely hard, so the impact was also quite tough to get over. It was like getting hit by a car, but that gave me a very serious left shoulder instability. Um, then, uh, when I was, Oh, I don't know, probably around 42. I was traveling on the road and, um, I used to do these stunts where I'd lift big guys up over my head, especially if they were bragging a lot. And, uh, so, I've got pictures of me lifting a guy that's six foot eight, 245 pounds over my head. I picked him up and did a lunge with him, and I actually ended up doing that in one of my classes. There was a Navy SEAL in there, none of them could pick me up. So, I said, Okay, I'll show you why I'm the teacher. So, I got pictures of me doing lunges with all these great big dudes. Well, that got out. <laughs> I'd
0: love to see those office. pictures.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can send you one. I got. And then people had me doing this stunt on radio shows that kind of spread like wildfire when people started talking about it on the internet. I was at the end of a long seminar tour, and I think we were in England, if I remember right, and three guys came up to me right when we had just landed and were like getting out of the car after a long flight and being exhausted, and they were begging me to pick them up and put them over my head so they could take pictures, and my inner voice said, no, don't do it. Yeah kept pestering me, and I did something stupid. I didn't listen to my soul. Mm. And I said to this one guy, the first guy, I said, look, when I pick you up and throw you up over my head, it's scary. You're going to be, you know, seven feet up, six and a half feet up in the air, facing the ground, and it's you got to stay stiff. I can't Mm. hold on to you Mm. if you get limp. And – So sure enough, I picked him up and he got scared and he buckled, went soft and slipped out of my hands and landed on my head full force, pushed my head to the right really hard, blew out my C6 and C7 discs, tore several uh, intertransversary ligaments, left me with a severe spinal instability, spinal cord compression, shut the whole left side of my body off. I lost 26 pounds of muscle in four weeks. I could not even carry a briefcase, wow. and that was quite a crisis. That was sort of a a, a spiritual crisis because I I'd never mm. been a weak person. I've always been a strong, confident, powerful person with good martial arts and boxing skills, and yeah. I've never been afraid of any man. Um, so I grew up
0: challenge your identity.
1: Up, it did. It was an identity mm. crisis of so mm. something. Fierce. But you know, I did a lot of meditation and my soul told me that I had become too dependent on my power and my strength and I wasn't connecting to people at the heart. And to finish my work here on the planet, I needed to ground myself in what's more important than forcing and being a, a, a show-off. So yeah. I, I had to access my feminine and really go into a deep healing Cycle, and it took me about seven, six, or seven years rehabbing myself to stabilize that Mm -hmm. so I wasn't pain all the time. That's just a smattering of the injuries. Learned a lot from them. I've learned Mm -hmm. more from my injuries and my challenges than anything else, except maybe psychedelics.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, we're going to get to that soon. But first of all, uh, yeah, thanks for being so vulnerable and sharing those stories. Really appreciate it. And, uh, Well, um, that's quite a list of, uh, physical trauma you've got going on there. (laughs) And
1: And there's been several other deaths in the family that were painful too. For example, my sister's three-year-old boy drowned in their swimming pool. Then my grandparents have all died, you know, so the kind of stuff that we all have to work through, but each of them's brought me closer to great spirit.
0: Okay. Well, you know, we want to get to this, uh, anyway, so I thought we might start around some definition, um, and I thought before we go into, you know, spirit and spiritual wellness, which I want to get to, um, I'll be interested yeah. to see here your take on what it means to be human. So if we can identify uh, the human first.
1: Well, the human being is unique um, because of our vertical orientation and brain size and brain structure. We're very unique. You know, if you... Most people don't realize this, but the human body is an antenna system. It picks up cosmic information. We pick up the thoughts and feelings and emotions of each other. We pick up the thoughts, feelings, emotions of our pets, our animals. We all know when a horse is nervous, for example. Uh, We know when our dog's nervous. Uh, If we're healthy, we pick up the... um, feelings and the messages from plants and and trees and this is where the shaman learned to make their medicines we have this sort of ignorance about the intelligence of plants and trees but they're highly intelligent and there's great research showing that but it never makes it into the mainstream the yep. point i'm making is that the human nervous system can go all the way down to connecting to feeling and relating to matter and it can go all the way up to uh beings that live in dimensions that are outside of the range of the five senses alone that can only be engaged when we grow ourselves spiritually enough to be able to develop what Steiner called spiritual organs Steiner said that for each physical organ we have a spiritual or a subtle energy correlate and it is through spiritual development practices such as meditation mental emotional self-management um, breathing Uh, being in nature uh, Mm. and many other practices that we grow and develop these organs of subtle energy perception which are what we use when we leave the physical domain as our primary organs but if we don't develop them here then we just become unconscious when we die and wake up in another body and don't really realize how we got there and the more evolved the soul is, the more access they have to their past life memories, so that they can use that library of information to help people here on in Earth School, what I yeah. call planet Earth, Earth. School. <laughs> and um, so, you know, so if you look at the construct of the human being, and you study embryology, you can see the recapitulation development of this animal species in nature over this you know three billion years from single-celled organisms in the ocean all the way up to uh the paleo mammalian animals and, and and there's many great books on embryology showing for example at like 17 days in it's hard to tell there's a human being in a salamander wow they, they look very similar and then we look like a chicken at certain times and so you know Biologists and neurologists and physiologists studying this have basically shown quite clearly that what a human being is in their physical body is like a compendium of all the creatures in nature. It's as though uh the mother nature took the best of this and the best of mm-hmm. that and and merged them together in a working system. But what's unique is that research now shows that we have enough brain cells in our body we have something like a hundred billion or more brain cells, different researchers say different numbers but each of those nerve cells in our brain can have as many as 30,000 connections to the other cells and when they do the research and do the math on that, it turns out that we have more neurological connections in our brain than there are stars in the known universe Wow, there's a universe uh, within us Well, we are a universe Mm. and this is you know, the Taoists were, were, were very big on what's called the microcosm, and they said that the human being is a microcosm of the macrocosm. So spiritual practices are really um, very much oriented towards going inside because within you, you have everything in the universe, and then you can get to kind of some fancy details like the non-locality issue that the fact that there is one universal mind and a great book on that is called One Mind by Larry Dossie, MD, which is loaded with great research. And then you have books like The Field by Lynn McTaggart and um, a long list of books. But to finish my point, if you look at yoga, yoga is a science of postures, among other things. But there's a lot of posturing in yoga. And the ancient yogis figured out that, you could heal certain pathologies, physical, emotional, and mental, <clears throat> using certain postures. Because they understood that when you change the shape of the human body, you change the wavelengths hmm. of energy and information that it can interact with. Just like, you know, I don't know if you're old enough to have had a television or a radio that had an antenna on it. And
0: Unfortunately if- not.
1: <laughs> well when i was a when i was a kid we we did we had we could barely get a television station right? yep. um so we had to when the weather changed we had to play with the aerial mm. and same with the radio i used to have to play with the oh, aerial sorry
0: correction i did with the radio i remember that
1: yeah. yeah so if you change the size or the shape of the aerial it changes which signals it can pick up because there's a mathematical ratio between the size I won't go into that too heavily because it would just be a bunch of technical gobbledygook. (laughs) But whenever you change for example, if you stand up and put your arms up over your head, you make your body longer and you're vertically oriented. So one Mm. of the unique things about the human body is it has a vertical spine. All the other animals, pretty much chimpanzees and those animals are slightly close to vertical, but they spend most of their time walking on their knuckles. So the animals that have a horizontal spine are like creatures that have uh, an antenna that's stuck in a horizontal position, which is much more ideal for picking up the frequencies of things in the earth plane. Mm -hmm. But when we bring the spine vertical, and Steiner describes how our brain is actually like a bulb or plant that grows into our body. So the, the brain is like the roots of a bulb plant and its body is inside of us. So our brain is like a root system that's reaching out into the cosmos to pick mm-hmm. up information. And our nervous system and our subtle energy fields, such as your etheric field, your, you know, which is the astral yeah. field, and your um, – well, you have the etheric field and you have the astral field. Excuse me. The etheric is the field right around your cells and the astral field, which deals a lot with your emotions. And you have the lower mental field, the higher mental field, the causal field. So those are all vibrational envelopes that surround the human body that are very, very well scientifically valid. This is not food stuff. This is hardcore science. Um, And that's an important
0: note as well, I
1: think. Yes. People like William A. Tiller have done extensive research on that. Valerie Hunt was the first person to scientifically prove the chakra system was real um cynthia dale's book the uh, encyclopedia of subtle energy anatomy is loaded with current scientific research on all these things mm-hmm. the book life force by claude swanson's about 800 pages of research on all this stuff so this is all it, it sounds to the uneducated like airy fairy you know silliness but this is really hardcore yeah. stuff now science is reached-
0: incredible research around it
1: yeah, but, but you know, it doesn't fit the mainstream dogma, so you don't hear about it unless you talk to a crazy man like me. <laughs> so to, to, to kind of finish what a human being is, a human being has the capacity. If you look at the book Stopping the Wild Pendulum by Itzhak Bentov, who was the guy that invented the pacemaker, which is still in use today. He died in a plane crash in, I think, '95. But Bentov was the first scientist to actually do research on what meditation was doing to people and he was a very meditator he was a remote viewer and he was a genius and his book stalking the wild pendulum shows in scientific language how human beings are constructed and why it is and how it is that we can connect with everything from plants and stones and animals all the way up to divas and spirits and angels and this guy was a brilliant scientist so this isn't just fluffy stuff yeah and um So the human with that powerful brain that has the more neural connections and there are stars in the known universe and with a very complex, subtle energy field, which also serves as an energetic antenna, actually has, when we're at our potential, the ability to connect to anything and everything in the entire cosmos. Wow. Wow. The animals are more phase locked into more narrow frequencies and a more narrow self-perception. So the human being is in the middle between the earthly realm below and what I call the angelic realm or the subtle energy realm above where all the information that actually is what informs the physical systems is. Your body is informed. If, if you, mm-hmm. for example, when you go out in the sunlight, it feels good. It's exciting. It's warming. It's also telling your body to make more vitamin D to produce cortisol to keep you awake it has enough so you see energy comes with information mm. so the the human beings got the capacity to connect with and interpret a wide 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 range of signals really more than any other creature that we've ever found other there's nothing more comprehensive than ourselves with our potential yeah and yeah. And, and and so the human In shamanism, they have the upper world, the middle world, and the lower world. The human's right bodies, right in the middle world, were made of the earth below. But we are also star beings, or we're spiritual beings having a human experience on earth. So the human being is unique because it can actually consciously access everything that's possible to know within a reasonable contextual range. We can't know superpositional states. We can't process like a quantum computer, mm. but we go all the way to experiencing God consciously and knowing it's happening all the way down to um, finding water in nature with nothing but our own senses. So that's a, the human beings really. It's the human being is a vehicle by which God comes to know what God is.
0: And we will get right to that in a second. <laughs> That's amazing. That brought up so many, uh, so many questions. Um, first of all, obviously, you talked about the antenna system. And, you know, the human being uh, experiences many different positions and has the ability to access many different movement patterns, postures, and positions throughout its lifespan. So right yeah. the way from, you know, the embryotic uh, state uh, to the fully erect um, adult. But yeah. you know, revisiting those positions must be a tool that you integrate into your practice. So you know, you're the crawling time, yes. your ground postures get back to your embryological uh, yeah. stages.
1: Tech practitioners are trained in infant yeah. development, so are holistic my holistic lifestyle coaches. Yeah,
0: I've experienced and that. I also great.
1: Correlate great my infant development work and mm. the different levels of the psyche because different movements access different parts of our psyche. Uh, for example, if you're doing sphincter exercises, so, so when people have things like incontinence, I use sphincter exercises, or when they have eye disorders or oral disorders. And the sphincter system goes all the way to the level of archaic consciousness, because even when we're, you know, if we look at us, our bodies as, as evolutionary bodies, if you go all the way back to early, early creatures like sea squirts, And some of these early things, they had sphincters in them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the sphincter system in our body is very, very old, and it's very connected to the deep unconscious in us. So sphincter exercises get one level. Then if you're doing an exercise like the inchworm, it'll access the reptilian brain, which Mm -hmm. is all about survival, sustenance, and procreation. And then if you do horizontal exercises, such as the horse stance vertical, horse stance horizontal, or you're doing crawling like an animal like that, then you access the the uh, mammalian, the, uh, limbic system, which is part of the paleomammalian brain. And when you're in upright postures, then you're accessing the neocortical brain. So I use different postures and different exercises to help people heal uh, mental, emotional issues. Mm-hmm. at different levels of their psyche, depending yeah. on what kind of trauma or experience
0: they've had. Fascinating. And um, the other thing that, that came up for me was, um, I don't know if you've come across Grant Susalu's work on uh, multiple brain integration technique. So the, the, no,
1: I'm not familiar. But it,
0: it, it really correlates with, uh, with your work and even the chakra system. Around uh, At the moment, he's got um, three to four main uh, centers of intelligence. And he talks about the head brain, um, the heart brain, or the solar plexus, and then the gut brain. And just thinking about the neurons uh, present in the energy systems within those three centers itself, uh, you know, that's, that's got to have some correlation and it's got to have some other ramifications if they're connected or not connected.
1: Well, they are connected. The solar plexus, which is the abdominal brain, which was first identified by Byron Robinson, MD Mm. in the, the abdominal and pelvic brain in 1897, which is in my library. And I've got his second edition in 1907. um, and then later research that's now becoming popular on the abdominal brain shows that the solar plexus, the, the abdominal brain, has uh, as many or more neurons that our brainstem and spinal cord combine. Wow. So wow. we actually have a literal brain in our gut, hmm. and research shows that there's direct connections between the abdominal brain or what is actually the... Um, solar plexus and the superior mesenteric plexus coupled together and uh that brain has direct connections to our digestive eliminative our limbic emotional system it's got deep connections in the vagus system Um, it has huge influences on hormonal regulation you know heart math really did the most scientific research on the yeah so I've been teaching that since their research came out years and years ago, and I teach about how to um, harmonize biological oscillators, mm. which is the brain and gut.
0: What's fascinating to me is, um not, not willing to blow wind up your ass here, but um, <laughs> a lot of the stuff you talked about you know 20 maybe more years ago um, is all becoming uh, more and more mainstream, which is incredible, um, like your, uh, the way you explained the correlation between the autonomic nervous system. The vagal nerve yeah. and the and the centers of intelligence. It just uh, yeah. it's all becoming more mainstream, which is great, and hopefully it continues down that path.
1: Yeah, a lot of the stuff I was literally talking about twenty years. I was the first guy I know of in the world traveling yeah. the world, teaching people back, you know, in the eighties that t- traditional gym machines were just messing people's bodies up something fierce. Yeah. So I've been given the title, the godfather of functional exercise in a number of different
0: <laughs> I think it's a fair title.
1: And uh, I used to blow people's mind because I, mm. you know, I'd studied neurology, physiology, human yep. movement, kinesiology, biomechanics, and every.
0: You've been all over the spectrum. It's great.
1: And so I was lecturing on the science of all this, showing them with hard stuff we were doing in gyms was ruining people. I got a mix of oh my god to absolute revolt against Paul Czech. So you know, yeah, um, I can imagine you yes. would cop some criticism. I've, along at, the way. I've I've been under fire my whole career, but you know, it's it's usually people that are just scared, confused, yep. or dogmatic. Yep. And yep. I, now I just have empathy for them. But I used to tell them, if you're going to pull a sword on a samurai, you better know how to use it. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. Okay, so that is the end of part one. And how about that? You can take a big, deep breath out now. Um, And the good news is we're only getting warmed up. Um, Part two is coming out next week, and we go deep. (laughs) So be prepared to take notes and challenge yourself on every level. Uh, I certainly learned a lot and got a lot out of this one. Um, Again, please check out the links in the show notes. Uh, Some of Paul's work um, is available through the Czech Institute And as I recommend to pretty much everyone I talk to, The Last Four Doctors You'll Ever Need is one of the best books, wellness books on the market. So please check that out. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, His blog has a lot of great content. Um, His YouTube channel channel has a lot of free content, which is amazing. And uh, be sure to check out his podcast called Living 4D. And as I said, all of the links are in the show notes, so please check them out. Um, I would also love to hear what you learned from this episode and how it may influence your life as of now. Uh, Please share those thoughts um, or those applications through any of my social media channels and please tune in for part two next week. As I said, come prepared because it goes deep. Uh, In the meantime, keep stepping into the best version of yourself.